Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. One of these days, I'm not going to do this intro, and y'all are going to be like, what the fuck? Leave a review on Podchaser. A cool thing about Podchaser is you can leave a review for this episode or for the show as a whole. Leave a review for Apple Podcasts. Uh, leave a review on Good Pods, the app. And if you can figure it out, let me know how you leave a review on Stitcher. Because, shit, I like to leave a review for myself. I mean, I... Nigga, look. If I can jack myself off, I can leave myself a review. They're both fucking with myself. And I fucks with me. That made more sense in my head. And I'm going to keep it, too. I should make it into a t-shirt. By the way, buy a t-shirt. Uh, tpublic.com. Uh, single Simulcast is the store name because I haven't changed the Ratchet Book Club. But Single Simulcast is the store name. Uh, we got all of the Ratchet Book Club fonts over there, the logos, and it's dope. And we got the Fuck This Book uh, shirts and cups. So go ahead and check that out. And then after you do it, take pictures so I can see it. Voyeurism. That's my thing. Anyhow. Let's go. So we're one chapter away from um, me having really um, proved my hypothesis that me and Moore plus Carter equals a chapter that's chock full of fucking. Um, I also think that the fucking scenes are done by Ashley. Don't ask me why. So here we go. Chapter 11. I guess he wasn't the good twin after all. Me and more. Well, that literally tells us everything we need to know about this chapter, doesn't it? Gosh, I start making guesses based off the doofy ass shit they decided to put into the beginning of the chapter. So they find out the money fucked tomorrow, which means they didn't die at the door. Sorry, money. Now you're at war. Carter leaned down to kiss Mia Moore's forehead and then took one last look at the lovely Lucy as they both slept peacefully, legs intertwined sexily with each other. Carter shook his head as he recalled the steamy sex session from the previous night. He tapped Lucy's thigh, stirring her from her slumber. Mmm. Morning, Poppy, she whispered as she reluctantly rolled over to face him. Down, boy, he thought as his dick jumped from the way she addressed him. He smirked and she crawled on all fours. 
You like it when I call you Poppy? She asked seductively. Time to get dressed, Ma. Playtime's over, he said. And be careful not to wake her. He motioned towards Mia Moore as Lucy nodded in compliance. He walked out of the bedroom, giving Lucy some privacy. He walked to the spare bedroom and opened the closet. It looked like a military arsenal inside. He removed two handguns and put them into his shoulder holsters. He placed one in his waistline. He didn't anticipate a problem with buttons. They had done business amicably for too long for anything to go wrong, but he never went anywhere without his strap. It was just another accessory for him. He wrote a note for Mia Moore and placed it on the kitchen counter. <clears throat> Lucy cleared her throat behind him, and he turned around to face her. He pulled his Armani leather wallet out of his pocket and removed a card. Last night was good, Poppy. Anytime you and your girlfriend are in Rio, please look me up. i love to see both of you again, she whispered as she stood close to him. So close that he smelled the peppermint on her breath. Carter handed her the card. You call that number and my man will take care of you. $5,000 for the night. Lucy's eyes widened in surprise. I'm not a hooker. I never implied that, sweetheart. But those tips you're getting at the club can't possibly take you very far. Accept the money on behalf of me and my lady. For the good time you showed us last night, he replied. Wow, Poppy, she replied. That girl in there really is lucky. I hope she knows. Nah, I'm the lucky one, Carter answered. He extended his arm for her to walk out of the door in front of him, and they headed out. His driver was standing attentively out front. My driver will take you anywhere you need to go, Carter said. Lucy smiled and bid farewell to Carter as he watched her get into the car. He waited until it pulled away before he signaled for one of the local cabbies who sat along the street. Carter's mind immediately shifted to business as he entered the shabby vehicle. He gave directions to Button's home as he sat low while the speed of the cab caused the streets to fly by in a blur. As the cab grew closer to Button's private estate, the cab driver spoke up. I didn't even know this road existed until a few weeks ago, and now this is the second time I've come here. You Americans must know something we don't, he said. Carter frowned as he sat up in his seat. No one knew of Button's whereabouts except for the cartel. This spot practically didn't exist, so the fact that the cabbie had been there before alarmed Carter. Well, ain't that a dink? He said that, uh, you know, there were how many cab drivers out front? Just said one of the local cabbies, plural, which means that there's more than one. I'm sure there's a lot of them in Rio. And the one who just happened to take money to see Buttons is the same one who's taking Carter to see Buttons. And he just happens to talk about it instead of minding his own business. Whew. Thank God for that cabbie. He better give him a $5,000 tip next. You say you've been here before? Recently, he asked. Carter could see Button's home in the near distance as the cab hobbled down the extremely bumpy, underdeveloped road. Yeah, another American came here a while back. A big shot from Miami. He tipped me a pretty penny. Isn't that what you Americans say? Carter reached in his holster and removed the pistol as he cocked it, suddenly feeling as though he had eyes on him, 
He looked around him, feeling threatened. Yo, my man. Do you remember the man's name that you drove out here? Carter asked. Oh, see, si, senor. He was the money man. Money was his name, the cab driver stated. Why would money tell the cab driver his name? And remember, my name is money. Why would he, why? He doesn't even like talking to the young fellas who are a part of the cartel. Why the fuck would he talk to a random ass cab driver? Do you talk to your Uber driver? Do you? No, you don't. So why would you talk to somebody in a completely different country? A cab driver. Money. Oh yeah, I'm money. I got bucks. Here, let me tip you big so I'm sure you'll remember me. Okay. As soon as the words filled the air, bullets filled the car. The rear windshield shattered as bullets flew, causing glass to rain down over him. Fuck! Carter yelled out as he ducked in the back seat. Drive! The cab driver didn't move as Carter pointed his gun out the back of the car and fired. Bang! 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 A van of three gunmen had pulled up behind him. His 9mm were no match for the rapid blast of the AK-47s of Button's goons. He was a sitting duck. He turned to encourage the driver to go, but quickly discovered that the man was slumped over the steering wheel. You know what's good? We know that he'll be okay because he tossed me and more later on. Carter busted back, using his marksman aim, but the way the car was being Swiss cheesed, that's their phrase for this for this book, I'm guessing. Swiss cheesed and rocking people to sleep are the two ways. They finally upgraded, I guess. He knew it wouldn't be long before one of the bullets would deliver his end. Sweat covered his brow as he threw his gun in frustration after emptying the clip. Tat, 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 tat. He removed another pistol and let it spit as he pushed open the back door of the car. As soon as he crawled out, a biting burn penetrated his left shoulder. Ah! He shouted as a blast sent him flying backwards, flooring him. He lay perfectly still as blood fluttered from the wound in his shoulder. He bit his inner jaws, pain seared through him, but he laid still. The firing stopped as the men spoke in Spanish. One of them approached, and Carter heard the footsteps crunching against the dirt as they drew near. His finger was already wrapped around the trigger of his gun as he lay with his eyes closed. The two other goons stayed back as their comrade went to check Carter's status. The goons stood over him, seeing the blood that now covered Carter's entire shirt. Carter held his breath, not wanting to give away the fact that he was alive. He's dead, the goon called out. I'm not going to check him anymore, Derek called out. Because he's clearly dead, because there's blood all over his shirt. He's dead. Let's just go. Let's go far away. Let's go back to the kitchen. They were making sandwiches and they look good as a motherfucker. He's dead. Carter prayed that Button's men weren't as thorough as his own. Zaire or any of his other goons would have put a bullet in his head just for good measure, just to make sure that the job was done. Luckily for him, and for the readers, this did not happen. Let's get out of here, he heard one of them call out as the goons standing over him rushed back to the escape van. Carter waited until he heard the van pull away before he rolled over onto his side. You don't know how far away they are. You could have opened your eyes and looked, but you heard them pull away and you rolled over onto your side. And what if they're just, you know, stopped just to wait? I noticed the book where they're not going to kill you yet.
But still, okay, I'm going to hire shooters, real killers, to come out and draw down on you with machine guns and just light you up, light the car up, murder the driver, but don't murder you, even though they're shooting behind you. Did they pull up beside them? No, a van of three gunmen had pulled up behind them. So somehow, this van pulls up behind y'all, lights the car up, as you say, Swiss cheese it. Yes, I use the quote signs. Swiss cheese it. Kill the driver that's sitting in front of you. But somehow don't hit you at all. So they're shooting from behind you. And somehow they don't hit you at all, but they hit the driver that's in front of you and kill him. And then when they hit you and you're down and you're like this, you're down, you're out. They don't follow up with a bullet to the head against one of the biggest bosses of the drug cartel in Miami. You would think that they'd be more thorough than that. Groaning and in extreme pain, he heaved as he leaned against the cab. He was soaked in his own blood and feared the worst. He struggled to his feet and then pulled open the driver's door. Ah! He roared as the pain in his shoulder vibrated throughout his entire body. He pulled the driver out and left his dead body in the dirt as he got into the bullet-riddled car, skirting off at full speed as he raced back to Mia Moore. Mia Moore slowly came out of the sex and drug-induced fog as she opened her eyes. The bed was empty and the room bright as the sun blared through the open windows. She could smell the salty ocean coming in with the breeze and she sat up groggily as she meandered to her feet. Carter? She called as she walked out of the bedroom. She half expected to find him sexing Lucy on the living room balcony. I'd kill him. She thought with a laugh, shaking her head because she knew that her jealousy over her man would rear its ugly head sooner or later. And so did we, reader. So did we. Mia Moore has lost all parts of herself and just her whole thing is jealousy and sex. And sex and jealousy and being able to cook, which I still don't know how the fuck she does that. She found the entire via empty and went to the kitchen. Her mouth was extremely dry, and as she opened the refrigerator, she finally noticed the note that Carter had left. It was placed underneath the 45 millimeter pistol. She smiled as she moved the gun and picked up the letter. Gone to handle business. Be back shortly. I love you. C. Mia Moore crumbled the note in her hand and poured herself a glass of orange juice before retreating to the bathroom. Suddenly, she felt hot, and her mouth watered as vomit tickled the back of her throat. She lunged for the toilet and buried her head inside as she killed over, her insides erupting. What the fuck is wrong with me? What did Lucy give me last night? She thought as her stomach clenched and she vomited again. She pregnant. Mia Moore breathed heavily as she closed her eyes and stood. She leaned over to sink to rinse out her mouth, then headed for the shower. She turned on the water and tested it, placing her hands underneath the stream to test it before she stepped inside. 
The rain shower head was soothing as she closed her eyes and enjoyed the tiny beads of water that massaged her entire body as they fell upon her. Her body felt alive after last night's rendezvous, and she shook her head as she opened her mouth, inviting the water to rinse away her sins and her vomit. When Mia Moore opened her eyes, a shadow danced on the floor of the bathroom, followed by a creak of the hardwood floor. She swiped her hand across her face and looked again, but nothing was there except for the blowing sheer curtain that covered the window. Mia Moore's heart thumped rapidly inside of her chest. She had lived years of this paranoia, watching over her shoulder, thinking everyone was out to get her. She saw ghosts when no one was there, but in her years of being in the game, she had learned one thing, to always follow her gut. Mia Moore slid out of the back of the shower curtain, but left the water running as she hid behind the door. She knew that it couldn't be Carter. He knew her checkered past. He would have announced himself before sneaking up on her. She winced when she thought about the gun that she had left lying on the kitchen counter. She would have to do this the hard way. She picked up the porcelain cover to the toilet and waited behind the door. She felt foolish after a minute passed and nothing happened. Am I tripping? She thought. When she heard the door creak open, she knew that she was on point. A masked man entered the bathroom quietly, moving with the stealth of a clumsy-ass giant. If he thought that he would catch her slipping, he had another think coming. That's what they put. That's what they wrote. He had another think coming. I am from another country, and instead of saying thing, I say think. If you think that you can stop me, you have another think coming. If he thought he would catch her slipping, he had another thing coming. Compared to her murder game, this goon was an amateur, or at least he moved like one. Mia Moore knew that he had an advantage over her because he was armed and twice her size. She waited, and just as he reached for the shower curtain, she charged him. She lifted the heavy top over her head. Ah! She yelled from her gut as she brought it crashing down over his head. She lifted her foot and kicked him in his back, sending his him... What the fuck? Are y'all just gonna fuck this book up now? Is that what we're doing? Sending his him flying into the bathtub. If you think I read that wrong, you have another thing coming. <laughs> Sending him flying into the bathtub. He fell clumsily inside as the gun fell from his hand. Miamor had no time to reach for it as the man fumbled out of the tub. She saw his hand wrap around the gun, and she closed the shower curtain, blocking his view as she darted for the window. Bang! 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 She dove head first out of the window as the glass tore through her skin and she fell 15 feet to the sandy beach below. We know she lives too because she says the fucking quote. So don't worry about it. She hit the ground hard, knocking the wind from her lungs. She staggered to her feet as she looked around, her vision slightly blurry from hitting her head. Ain't she bucket? I mean, not that that's the, the most of her troubles, her, the most of her worries, but ain't she butt naked? She, she's bucket, right? You can see her public hairs? Okay, just checking. If you thought that that was all I was worried about, you have another thing coming. <laughs> Shaking the stars from her eyes, she gripped the side of the house as she ran up the back stairs that led directly to the kitchen. She raced to the gun that lay on the counter and gritted her teeth as she saw red. She cocked the pistol, and just as she stepped towards the bathroom, the goon came stumbling out. She aimed. Boom! Boom! Also, 
Are they just leaving the back door open? Is that what's happening right now? Like, how she jump out the window 15 feet? Oh, sorry. I keep seeing 15 feet and thinking 15 stories. My bad. She fell 15 feet, which is still, it's it's like half a, it's a basketball hoop and then another half a basketball hoop. So that's a nice little height. She hit him with two shots, one in the head and one in the heart. He dropped to his knees and then landed face first onto the hardwood floor. Bitch ass nigga. She mumbled as she stepped over his dead body and went into the bedroom. She quickly threw on her clothes from the night before. She moved as fast as she could until Carter's voice boomed through the via. Me amor, he yelled. She rushed out to him. Carter, she gasped when she saw that he was bloody. She covered the room in a flash as he gripped his shoulder in agony. I'm fine, he shouted urgently. We gotta get out of here now. Grab the passports, get a gun, and let's go. Mia Moore took instruction well and didn't freeze under pressure. She sprang into action, gathering their belongings and two handguns. She also grabbed anything that looked as if it could help her stop Carter's bleeding before they exited the via. Carter's driver opened the door in alarm. To the airstrip as quickly as possible, Carter instructed. So... Buttons set it up where the shooters came out to kill Carter on the road to Buttons' house. Why'd they go to his via? Who knew that Mia Moore was there? Zaire sat at the kitchen table as he watched Breeze cook. I love the way you move, ma. I'm sorry, I couldn't, I, I almost sang that. I love the way you move. Dun, 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 dun. I love the way you move, Ma, he said as she turned towards him. He smiled, causing her to blush. Oh, yeah? She asked as she sashayed over to her husband. I love that you love it, she responded. He opened his legs and pulled Breeze into his space as she bent to kiss his lips. His hand slid up her dress. Ding dong. Also, I'm hoping that they never delve into their sexual relationship. I know they're married. I I just can't. I can't. I don't know. The doorbell rang and he groaned, knowing that whoever visited had interrupted their flow. You expecting anyone? Bree shook her head and removed her apron as she went towards the front entrance. It's probably Lena. I haven't heard from her much since she moved out, but some of her stuff is still here. Maybe she's coming to pick it up, Bree said. Tell Lena to call next time, Zaire said with a wink. Breeze chuckled as she pulled open the door. Money, she exclaimed. She opened her arms for a hug. Hey, what's up? Money smiled at the sight of Breeze. He truly loved and worshipped the ground that his sister walked on. Wait, what? I mean, he's an elder sibling, right? So, idolizing an older sibling is one thing. I can definitely see that because they are ahead of you and they're able to do things you can't do and you think they're cool by proxy and all that kind of shit. Okay, fine. 
You don't usually idolize or worship the ground that a younger sibling walks on. You usually worship the ground that your significant other walks on. I know that that's been said before, but I've never heard it about a younger sibling and definitely not about a younger sister. So that kind of came off as weird. Am I wrong? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Ever since they were children, he had always protected her. Now she stood, the image of beauty in front of his face. She reminded him so much of their mother that it was uncanny. He had gotten the call from Buttons that the execution was a success. So he was coming over to be with his sister. He knew that she would take the news hard when the phone call to Zaire's death came in. He expected it at any moment. You gonna leave me out here on your doorstep? He asked playfully, holding out his hands as he looked around. No, of course not. Come in. Me and Zyra are about to sit down to eat. You want to stay for dinner? She asked. Zai? Monroe questioned, confused. I thought Zaire was in Rio. Zaire suddenly walked into the room. Change of plans. Carter went in my place, Zaire stated. So if he thought that Zaire had went by himself, then that really, really leaves questions about why Mia Moore's house got shot up or why they came into Mia Moore's house looking to kill her. Because he didn't think it was Carter and Mia Moore. He thought it was Zaire. So what exactly was that? Monroe's face drained of all color as his eyes widened in alarm. Why didn't anybody tell me, he asked. Zaire frowned and noticed that Monroe appeared worried. Why would anybody need to tell you, he asked. I gotta get out of here. I forgot I got a late meeting, Monroe stammered as he backed out of the house. A meeting? At nine o'clock at night, Zaire grilled. Monroe shifted uncomfortably in his stance, feeling transparent as if Zaire could see the guilt resting on his shoulders. You aight? Zaire asked as he stepped to Monroe suspiciously, placing one hand on Monroe's shoulder. Monroe shrugged Zaire's hand off and stared him in the eyes. Breeze watched the tense moment in confusion. Neither Zaire nor Monroe broke the hard stare. Zaire, Breeze called his name. Monroe! Breeze shouted once she saw that there was obvious beef between the two men she loved. What's going on? What are you not telling me? What's wrong? She demanded. She looked back and forth between them. Zaire stepped back, allowing his wife to separate him from Monroe. Nothing's wrong, baby girl. Right, Monroe? Everything's good in our camp? No snake niggas calling plays or no shit like that? Monroe Diamond? His voice was accusatory and his glare no nonsense as he stood his ground. His hands folded in front of him as he emphasized each word with a head nod in Monroe's direction. The way Zaire stared at him made Monroe's temper flare and his conscience as well. He was eager to get out of the house and make a call to Buttons. He had unknowingly given the green light for Carter, his flesh and blood, to be murdered. Everything's good, Breeze, Monroe said. He leaned in and kissed his sister's cheek and then walked off, obviously stressed. Bree stood back and folded her arms as she cocked her neck to the side. What was that? she asked. Leave it alone, Zaire snapped as he stormed off, retreating to his study. Carter was silent as Mia Moore nursed his wound as best she could. They were 30,000 feet in the air and she was far from a doctor, but she managed to slow down his bleeding. Does it hurt? She asked sympathetically. 
I'll be fine, Ma. Don't worry yourself. I just need to get back to Miami as soon as possible, Carter said as his thoughts drifted to his disloyal brother. Who did this? Miyamura asked. Monroe, Carter replied. Miyamura saw Mecca's face flash before her eyes. I guess he wasn't the good twin after all, she whispered. She kissed his cheek and took her seat as Carter grunted an inaudible response. After taking Mecca's life, he knew that taking Monroe's was not something he wanted to do. It's time to settle all scores, Carter said as he grabbed Miyamura's hand. Yours as well. I'm calling a meeting and we're going to settle this once and for all. I'm tired of the treachery tearing this family apart. So you're going to forgive him? Miyamura asked. Didn't I forgive you? He responded. So let me make sure I got this straight. It wasn't actually Goofus and Galliant. It was actually Goofus and Goofus, but we didn't know that Galliant was Goofus, which is a goof on us. Chapter 12. Today, we are each other's judge, jury, and executioner. Carter. Miyamore sat at the table, terrified, as the eyes of the Diamond family burned holes through her. Never in her life had she felt so persecuted. It was as if she had a scarlet letter burnt into her forehead. The family was divided, and she knew that she was a big part of the turmoil, if not the cause herself. She felt naked like a deer in hunting season, as she sat next to Carter. A 9mm would have put her mind at ease, but she had promised Carter that she would give up that lifestyle. Why? Why would she, Why? Why would you make a pro- Why? He's not. Why? What? No. 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 She had to play the role of wifey. She had to play the role of wifey, and as such, she had to allow him to be her protector. Here we go again. Old habits died hard, however, and Miyamore's trigger finger twitched against the table as she kept a stone face while staring straight ahead. Carter placed his hand on her thigh beneath the table and gave it a gentle squeeze, reassuring her that she was safe. As long as she was sitting next to him, no one dared to harm her, but it didn't put her mind at ease. Considering that Monroe had sent goons at Carter and Rio, it let her know that he wouldn't even blink at the thought of killing her. She inhaled deeply as Carter stood. His arm was bandaged and in a sling. His anger was etched in the grimace on his handsome face. Our empire is in jeopardy. We faced a lot of adversaries over the years. Not you, Monroe, because you were in a fucking coma and I still don't know why the fuck you think you run shit around here, but you weren't here for none of this. This is me because they still won't talk about it. The Haitians, the drug cartel out of Mexico, and we're still here. That's not a lot of adversaries. That's literally two. It's two cartels. And, and, with Matee and them, it seemed like it was like five niggas. And then Estes took care of everybody else. Okay? And we're still here. We're still standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we won't be for long if we don't air out our grievances. There's nothing worse than a snake in the grass. Deceit within our own organization is the only thing that will make the cartel fall. We each have our own sins that we've committed over the years. The game doesn't allow you to make it this far without having some regrets. Those secrets are our greatest threat. We have to keep the cartel strong or the little niggas lurking and praying will tear us apart.
If there's one crack, one weak link, the entire team will fall, Carter said as he walked around the table, addressing his loved ones. I have built a power circle. Everyone at this table is family. I trust each of you with my life. So in turn, you should trust each other with your lives. There could be no treachery among us. So today, we're going to air everything out. We're going to lay all of our sins on the table. Today, we're each other's judge, jury, and executioner. Carter spoke seriously. Silver platters lay in front of each person and were covered with a silver top. It appeared as though the table was set for a feast. And Carter nodded his head towards the display. Lift the tops, he instructed. Mia Moore lifted the top that lay in front of her, and her breath caught in her throat when she saw the pistol lying in front of her. Instinctively, she reached on top of the table and checked the clip. It was full. Carter smirked, somewhat attracted as he watched her put one in the head and click off the safety before placing it back on the table. What is this, Carter? What's going on? Breeze asked as she looked around the table in confusion. Yeah, right? Because she don't know how to shoot. Like you gave her a gun to? Hmm. Breeze, in order to trust one another, we have to admit the things we've done. Let the person without sin cast the first stone, Carter said. Or bullet, Zaire added as he stood to his feet. I'm thorough. Admission to our sins, right? He asked rhetorically. I'll go first. This has been on my chest for a long time. He looked down at Breeze and she smiled at him reassuringly. Confident that no matter what came out of his mouth, she would still love him. Zaire was like the sun to Breeze. Her world revolved around him. She gave him a wink, and Zaire turned to his captive audience and spoke. The day the Breeze was kidnapped was my fault. I got caught slipping. Carter told me to look after her, and instead of protecting her, I entertained her. We entertained each other. I was distracted and we were about to have sex when she was taken. Monroe's jaw clenched as he stared at Zaire and watched his beautiful sister stand up by her man's side. The sight made his stomach turn. Their father would have rolled over in his grave if he knew Breeze was dating a man like Zaire. Big Carter always wanted the best for his children. And Zaire wasn't it. Oh yeah, yeah, right. And um, Lena was clearly the best for... uh, in the world, which is why she got you and Mecca. Actually, she got Mecca, and then you came in. So shut the fuck up. I don't blame him for what happened to me. So for any of you two, would be wrong. We were young. We moved sloppy. But I'm here, and I'm breathing, and Matias dead, Breeze said, defending Zaire with conviction. Those are skeletons that I buried a long time ago. That experience made me stronger. No one was to blame except for Mati and the bitch that helped him take me. And me, Mia Moore spoke up. Her voice shook as she stood to her feet. Her eyes filled with tears as she looked around the room. Her bottom lip quivered as she reached for the gun. What I'm about to tell you will not be easy to swallow. And I've never let bullets fly my way without busting back. So you can either take what I'm about to say peacefully, or this can get very ugly. She looked unsurely at Carter, and he nodded his head for her to continue. The more she exposed her true self, the more infatuated with her he became. 
she was a gangster. Her only fault was that she had been commissioned by his enemy to take down his family. That he could forgive because now she was by his side and the way she moved, he knew that if he needed, she would be an asset to him. You know what? Just fuck that whole part up because they didn't put a comma after the fucking word that. Let's try this again. That he could forgive because now she was by his side and the way she moved, he knew that if needed, she could be an asset. He hoped she never had to come off the bench, but if she had to, she could and would. That alone endeared her to Carter. As his eyes scanned the room, he realized that he would let no judgment come her way. If he could look past her flaws, everyone else would have to as well. She looked at Bree sincerely and took a deep breath. The women who helped snatch you the night you were kidnapped were my friends. We were a part of a group called the Murder Mamas. Mati paid us to kill the leaders of the cartel. As soon as the words left her mouth, she had two weapons aimed directly at her. Zaire and Monroe both held their positions, standing. Arms extended. Guns ready to pop off in her direction. Why is Zaire standing? Oh, because Breeze got kidnapped. Okay. Me and Moore had anticipated their anger. And her own gun was pointed back at them going back and forth between Monroe and Zaire. Let her finish, Bree said as she stood to her feet, pressing her hands firmly against the table as she stared across at Mia Moore. I want to know why. Mia Moore swallowed the lump in her throat as she continued. Because he paid us to. I wasn't there that night, but I did know that they were determined to get to the cartel. By that time, I had already fallen in love with your brother. I told them I was out, but they took it upon themselves to still work with Mati. You got this bitch around us like she family after what she did? Zaire asked as he looked at Carter. Lower your pistols, Carter said. Let her finish. That's not all, is it? There's more to the fucking story, right, Ma? Monroe asked. You were hired to take out our family, ruin the cartel. I've heard about the murder mamas, so I know you didn't fail. So who else you get at? Which one of my family members are in the shallow grave because of you? Monroe grilled. It's more complicated than that. I didn't just point and shoot your family. Your brother, Mecca. We tried to set him up. He sniffed us out and killed my sister in a hotel. After that, it became personal. I got caught up in a game with him. I wanted him dead. I hated him for taking her away from me. So I gunned for his head. But I never got the opportunity to catch him until I saw him at the memorial that was thrown for Breeze when you all thought she was dead. I was a guest at Carter's. And he slipped me a drink that I gave to your mother. Mecca tried to poison me. But ended up watching his own mother drink what was intended for me, she admitted. Tears of regret flowed down her face. Your mother was the only innocent life I've ever taken. You didn't take it! It's not your fault. You didn't take it. That was Mecca. Gonna keep saying that. Breeze picked up her gun. As Monroe pulled back the hammer of his. Lower your pistols, Carter said, trying to intervene. We can't just shoot her. Lena said as she stood to her feet, holding her son in her arms. 
Monroe, our son is here, she protested as she looked around the room in distress. Carter, stop this. Do something. Carter came off his hit with a Chrome 45 automatic. I said lower your fucking guns, Carter shouted angrily. If you judge her, you judge yourself, and you judge me. Hold up a mirror and think about the things that you've done. What betrayal have you brought to the table? What about Lena, money? Huh? You fucked Mecca's bitch. He was your brother and he loved her. He loved her so much that he shot you over her. That entire situation started a war between us and Mati. A war that almost crippled us. And what about that play you just put down in Rio? Carter's tone lowered as he stared intently at Monroe. He saw a glint of recognition in Monroe's eyes. And that was all it took to confirm that Monroe had plotted against his own team. He stepped so close to Monroe that he was whispering in his ear. What he was about to say, no one else in the room needed to hear. Fuck what you thinking? He grilled through clenched teeth, unable to contain his anger. He kept it moving, but both men knew it was a conversation that they would have soon. Zai, what about you? You want to add up bodies, huh? I know what your murder count looked like, fam. Even I'm not without guilt. I killed our brother. I shot Mecca while he was praying at an altar for forgiveness. Carter's emotion was written all over his tortured face as he advocated for me and more. And upon his confession, Monroe broke down as well. He turned his gun on Carter, forgetting all about me and more. Breeze and Zaire dropped their weapons. He was my brother, Monroe shouted. And you were mine, Carter yelled back. I thought he killed you. I thought he went against the family. If he could draw on you and lie about it, I knew that he would eventually betray me. I made a choice. In your honor, Monroe, I took a life for my brother. The same way she took lives for her sister. The same way you're ready to take my life for Mecca. Forgiveness, brother, Carter said, heaving from the adrenaline that was racing through him. That is what we're here for. This is the only family we have left. Let's solidify it. Let's expand. Mia Moore stood, holding her belly. She thought about the child that grew inside of her. She was carrying Carter's seed, told you so. And as long as it had a small part of him, she knew that it would be special. Carter was the greatest man she had ever met. And as she looked at him, she felt pride in being his woman. As Mia Moore admired Carter... Bree studied her. She saw the undeniable connection that Mia Moore had with her brother. There was a glow about her that Breeze recognized. You're pregnant, Breeze whispered, her own tears building in her eyes. Mia Moore's neck snapped to the right to look at Breeze, and Carter looked down at Mia Moore in shock. Mia Moore had not even told him yet, and somehow Breeze knew. Mia Moore nodded her head as the gun she now held to her side slipped from her fingers and clattered loudly as it hit the floor. I am, she admitted emotionally as she held up her hands. And now I'm defenseless. No gun, no weapons, no motive. You can kill me now if you want, but I want you to know that I am so sorry for the role I played in harming your family. I can't take it back, but it's one of my life's biggest regrets. 
I love your brother, Breeze. I love him with every part of me, and I want this baby, this life with him. I hurt you and your family, but I want nothing more than to be a part of it now. Breeze stared me more in the eyes and wished that they had met under different circumstances. I'm sorry for the things that Mecca did to hurt you. I can still see the loss in your eyes. I know how that feels. We all know how that feels. You're carrying my bloodline inside of you. No one at this table will do harm to you, Mia Moore. It's time to let bygones be bygones, Breeze said. She took her seat at the table and slid her gun to the center of the table, out of arm's reach. There's been enough loss in this family, Zaire said. You don't speak on this family, Monroe stated harshly. I am this family, homeboy, Zaire shot back. I'm the family that took care of wifey and your seed while you were gone. So whether you like it or not, I'm here. I was here when you couldn't be. Zaire took his seat and slid his gun to the center as well. Lena followed suit, pushing the weapon in front of her away in disgust. She was in over her head. She had never been more than arm candy for one of the diamond men. She didn't know anything about this side of their lives. She just wanted to restore normalcy and peace into their lives. And if it meant accepting me and more, she was all for it. Forgiveness, Monroe, Carter stated. He put his gun on the table and walked towards his brother, hands up, until he was directly in front of Monroe. He was so close that Money's gun was pressed into his chest, directly over his heart. He felt Money's hand begin to tremble. If you sit down at this table, then we let go of the past and work towards building our future. If not, then pull the trigger now and let it be known where you stand. Monroe lowered his head in turmoil. The entire room was an emotional mess. Everyone except Zaire was a wreck. He kept his composure, his hand near his hip where his extra pistol rested. He anticipated Monroe's every move. If his finger moved an inch, Zaire was prepared to pop off. There was no way he was letting a nigga take Carter's life, brother or not. Monroe's resolve melted as Carter wrapped his hand around Monroe's gun and removed it from his hand. Carter grabbed the back of Money's neck and pulled him in close as they both bowed their heads in silence. I love you, brother, and I'm sorry. Extend me your forgiveness, Money, Carter whispered in his ear. The way Carter spoke to him reminded Monroe so much of his father, taking him to an emotional place. Monroe nodded his head and wiped his face with his hand while composing himself. Forgiveness, he repeated. Carter could see the reluctance written all over Monroe. Mia Moore breathed a sigh of relief as Carter returned to her side and everyone took their seats. A knock at the door sounded off, and Carter summoned in his chef. Now we break bread together as a family, Carter said as his kitchen staff brought in a feast fit for a king. Wine was poured around the table, and Carter raised his glass. To the cartel, he toasted. Although tension still filled the room, everyone knew that this brought them one step closer to unity. They all raised their glass in salute. To the cartel. That was quite possibly the best chapter that they've written in any of the four books that they've done.
honestly, I have almost no complaints. Almost. I mean, the ones I had, I got out. If if you thought I didn't have any complaints, you have another think coming. My one thing is, where's murder? And are we ever going to find out this whole period in Money's mind where he took over the cartel? Those two things. Y'all brought him out. Now you got to take care of him. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Uh, leave a review on Podchaser. You can leave a review for this episode or for the show as a whole. Uh, leave a review on Apple Podcasts and uh, also on Good Pods app. And then you can also try and leave a review for Stitcher. Uh, you can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast, uh, at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast, and on Good Pods app, you can tip us. All money will go towards the show, helping us buy books for this show and then movies for hindsight, which y'all should check out. Thank you so much for listening. Um, again, we have a store uh, where we have our merchandise. You can buy a Fuck This Book Cup. You can buy a, a Wretched Book Club shirt. Um, you can buy hindsight stuff. Just support the show. We appreciate you. Thanks so much for listening. We do greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace. to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast.